Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's most prominent media, we'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Hello, everyone. It's Nick Hayes from Media Stable here with you, Lana Hill. Hello. Hello, Nick Hayes. How are you? I'm, I'm excellent. Thank you for asking. What's the best event you've ever, ever been to? Well, actually... I do have a story about that, which I might share later on in the podcast. Might, see, it's, this is a question without notice and very good <laughs> deflection of the question. Thank you. There you go. To everyone out there that is, when you get a question that you don't quite know the answer Create to, you suspense. can deflect it over. <laughs> nice work. But we do have an event specialist. In fact, I would say Australia's best known event manager, event planner and event executor, Tamara Cook. <laughs> well, that was a big intro. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know. If a lot of event managers would agree with that, but let's go with it. Well, you're, yeah. Well, if we said you are, then That's you right. have to be it. I mean, said it, it's true. But let's let's sit, let's talk serious tomorrow. It's, it, I mean, COVID nineteen times almost tore apart the entire events industry. Straight into it, Nikkei. Oh, look, I'm not gonna. We're not gonna. We're not All gonna right. go if or buts here. All I mean, right, let, let's look at this. It's <laughs> events, in person events. I mean, this is a pandemic and a, and a health issue that we've never ever faced before. How did? What did it do to known associates? Well, we were crushed. Yeah. We we shut down within a week. We were like, "Oh, we need to re- reassess what we're doing. Oh, we may need to cancel some things. Oh, we may need to pair back." That was Monday, and by Friday we were closed. Our doors were closed. Wow. The staff was stood down, and we were one of the industries that we weren't really talked about so much in the news. Like they talked about the travel industry, yeah. um, and then kind of hospitality. And we were in the middle of that where we were just shut down straight away, a bit like travel. We just couldn't operate. When Scott Morrison turned it down to being a, uh, what, 400 in a room sort of thing, and it kept lowering it as it sort of in every 24, 48 hours, it kept lowering and lowering and lowering to a point where I was at a professional speakers event. It was their annual yes. event. And you could hear dings around the room, ding, 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 people's phones Mm -hmm. literally going off with cancellations of their speaking gigs and opportunities. And here we were, literally the last event that I actually attended to, well, where people were, um, that uh, are in the business of having an event, of actually having people gather. So it has just knocked off. And and the thing is, you're right there, uh, Tamara, in that they did focus on the hospitality industry. They did focus on tourism, they forgot about the little old event. Yeah, and it's we're one of those industries that is enormous, so it's hard to pinpoint because we are everything from the performers on a stage to um, behind-the-scenes managers like me, but then we're also um, florists, we're truck yeah. drivers, we're yeah, roadies, we're makeup artists. Yeah. There's, there's so many components that go into events that the industry is enormous. And even people who make occasional formal wear or formal wear, they, their businesses shut down as well. Or really, really were dramatically affected because there's no events happening. So all these people making amazing ball gowns, yeah. wedding gowns, cakes, this, it's just, it goes on and on. 
I got to say though, Tam, during that shutdown period, and obviously, you know, we share an office with you, so we were really, I mean, I know I certainly was, and you would have been too, Nick, thinking about you guys and, and thinking about the um, the challenging times, but the content that you were also producing during that time, I thought on socials was really, really great and positive and helpful. And it was, you know, breaking down, this is what it means, um, you know, and just you continued to add value during that period, which I, I can imagine would have been hard um, because you would have been, you know, really sad. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that feedback. Yeah. I had, I had that feedback a lot and I, one of our, it's, I guess it's our shtick. We are a positive company yeah, and we always put that out. We always want people to have fun. My staff, I always say to them, don't come to work if you're not having fun. Like it's got to be more than just a job. It's something that you do every day that you really enjoy. So that is definitely the environment that we've created at Known Associates. And so, yeah, going through something devastating like that, I had to stay positive publicly and for my team because um, we wanted to get through it. Mm. And if I just crawled up, curled up into a ball and, you know, mm. I did have my Netflix days under the covers, I've got to admit, where I was <laughs> had a tissue box next to me, I just Only cried my human. eyes out. <laughs> I mean, yeah, after having a company for 13 years and then yeah. the doors just shut and it's for no, no fault of your no, own. Correct. And no fault of your own. And Very difficult. Can I just say, and I, like while we're on this, and, and hats off to you, Tam, because I think, you know, as a leader, you, you have taken your team to what is going to be a very bright and new future, but you very much did hold it together and you stayed strong. And I think that is a great sign of businesses that are, you know, have gone through a tough time. It's a real true sign of a real business, the, the ability to work through these times and then come out at, at the other side. And like you said, you could have, you know, curled into a ball for the last three to four months and just said, poor me, poor me. But no, you haven't. You've gone out and now you're, you're, you're heading and the future looks bright. So this is not all yeah. doom and gloom, Lana. It's no. not all doom and gloom for, for events because if there's one thing, and I want to throw this to you tomorrow because I know that I am personally, I can't wait to get to my next event. <laughs> I cannot wait to put on my next lot of Ditto. events. Because, you know, as someone who does put on one event a year called Meet the Media, you've attended. In fact, I think you're one of the showpieces of our poster girls uh, for our Perth yes. Meet the Media yes. event. I like that photo. It's a, it's a, it's <laughs> so a, do we. It's a lovely photo. It was a good hair day. <laughs> but, you know, we lost a lot of money through that. But you know what? At the end, we, we, we figured we'd come back next year. Yeah. Um, what are events going to look like as we come out of COVID-19? Where, where do you see them heading and, and, and sort of – what things are we going to have to do as people that want to organise events to make them safe, to make people want to come back to them as well? Yeah, I honestly think they're not going to change a lot in essence. Like the, the makeup of an event is human connection. That's what people really thrive on. So the, the, the real bones of an event is going to stay quite similar. Obviously, there's going to be hand sanitizer and there's going to be greater risk management, 100% um, you know, our forms have doubled in what we put into a risk management sure. sheet now for all events. But, you know, essentially people want to be together. They want to be able to dance. They want to be able to hug. And I think that will eventually come back. I don't, I, we can't change forever and just be kind of robotic and not, and not act human when we're in a, a human interaction, a room of human interaction. So 
Yeah. As a, as a, just a, can we just right now just ban the chicken wing uh, handshake thing? <laughs> I've not heard it called that, oh, elbows. The elbow to elbow. Chicken wing. Seriously, I mean, like you said, I, I'm not saying that I'm going to go and <laughs> hug and kiss everyone when I see them at an event, but, well, those I like anyway, but, uh, um, but you know, that kind of thing, we've got to just get rid of that. I mean. Well, maybe yeah. in, in West Australia we can do that in any case. Yeah, okay. <laughs> also, shared food. I think I've seen a lot in the catering side of things, shared food is being a lot oh. more closely looked at and they're doing more things. Is it the end of the Bay Marie? Box. The Bay Marie. I honestly don't think it is. <laughs> no, but I don't it think so. probably should be. When's and the last you know, time you went to an event well, with Bay Marie? <laughs> no, every, no, actually, every really? time you go into a board f- kind of grazing, oh, yeah. grazing table. And the lounge, the lounge at the Qantas thing, that's a, that to me is an event. True. It's one of the most important <laughs> events because it's going to About an event. About to board a plane. They're probably <laughs> just going to have those shields, you know, the plastic shields yep. that are up in coals and, yep. um, yeah, so there'll be, and there'll probably be people serving you rather than self-serve. See, well, you just, you just, you know, those um, grazing platters, because I think they, they've been the real hit in the last couple of years, haven't they, where, mm. you know, you go to a party, no one's serving food anymore, it's just in one big location, and that you can make them look magnificent. I mean, you know, really build them up and think, but you, you think, oh, God, really? Uh, you know, look, everyone's touching it. And, and can we please, at any event for a birthday party, stop the kids from blowing out candles, or anyone for that <laughs> sake? Th- oh, no, co- you've taken it too far. I co- agree, th- these Tim. Are, there's a COVID-19 <laughs> case just happening right there. Oh, come on. It's It strengthens all of our immune systems, your case. Well, well <laughs> get a bit of COVID-19 kid, into you then and then strengthen your immune system to that. birthday cake never killed anyone. Yeah, no, not with half his spit all over it, though. Hey, uh, we, go, we digress. We digress. So we, we talk about the future. You, I, I agree with you. I think people want to connect with other people. I think Definitely. They, they, and in fact, if anything, right now we're, we're seeing it because we have we been in it. hibernation, we have been hidden away for a long time. But you talk about sanitizer. Is there anything else as a as a as an event manager that you're going to have to be far more conscious of when bringing a mass of people together? Uh, well, the old two square meter rule. I think that on some sort of scale is going to stay for longer than we probably think. Oh, so really? yeah, just thinking about capacities and. Yeah, unfortunately. But the flip side is people, most events have alcohol. Yep. People forget all their inhibitions once there's one drink. (laughs) People are shaking hands and hugging and standing as close as possible and spitting in each other's faces when they're talking. That's true. If there's music, loud music, you get close to someone because you can't hear over the music. So So true. There's so many um, hurdles that we would, you know, technically on paper try and overcome, but in the room... Honestly, it's it's a free for all. Like, it, are people going to adhere to it after they've had a drink and it's loud music? And probably not. It is human behaviour, like you said before. Like our need for connection and our need for face to face connection and, and interaction is just a human mm. need. But as you say, you know, that's the the flip side. Is yeah, if I'm I'm partially deaf, I know at an event if there's loud music, I'm I'm standing very close to the person next to that's me. That's what exactly. it is. You're partially deaf. I thought you were just very friendly, Lana. <laughs> <laughs> wait till it's summer. Then, you know, the summer festivals and things like that. Everyone's yeah. sweaty and, yeah, I mean, yeah. Talk to, talk to us about virtual events because the virtual events since, you know, COVID-19 kicked in and everyone's on Zoom and mm. they've wanted to sort of feel connected. Is is there a future for that? Do, is there And also, too, is there a future in turning it into a business? 
I think there's a space for it for sure. I think a lot of people, even you mentioned to me at one stage that it was there were a lot of things that you figured, oh, I don't actually have to fly there. I could actually just mm. do it over over Zoom and maybe not meet the media, but um, some meetings. I think a lot of meetings are going to happen digitally a lot more often. Um, for conference type things, Zoom can work. We're doing one uh, next weekend where we've got just a, a big screen. We're going to dial someone in for a Zoom. He's doing a one-hour talk. And for that part of the conference, it will work really well. And he, incidentally, he's actually going to be in Perth, but he has to self-isolate ah. while the conference is on. So he's just going to be down the road, but we're dialing him in. Yep. But for that part of it, it's going to be fine. And then the other parts are hands-on and you're in the room with, with people, with guest speakers, with a panel that are in front of you. So that's a bit of a hybrid. Um, but in terms of that digital event going forward, some events will definitely lend themselves to it and it will be a blessing. And some, you know, if you miss that networking aspect of it, it won't work. So you you, you just do need face-to-face that reading of people's body language, yes. et cetera, um, for particular events. So it depends on the style. Lana, I mean, I, I'm a bit nervous for some businesses. Some businesses are still taking this COVID-19 and while taking it very seriously, they're going to be reluctant to bring people together again. I mean, mm. Perth, of course, we're living in a slightly different situation. There hasn't been community spread for 120 days, but it it is something there that businesses are going to get their head around. You know, if we do bring people together, there is risk. Mm. Can you see that, I, I, well, personally from my front, I cannot see how we cannot continue or will not head back to that. But can you see any hurdles there for big businesses thinking, do we put on events anymore? Is it something there that uh, is, is too risky or a, an issue for the business to bring people together? That's a very good question, Nikkei. I think what it will do and uh, on a global level this is true as well as locally but yeah I think I think a big events will become more localized so maybe not like a massive trans-tasman conference which I've been lucky enough to attend a few in my corporate background they'll be I think given the restrictions that we face in this country and you know obviously overseas they'll be doing more locally engaging things, which I don't think is a bad thing. I think this, because obviously we have to be more local and we're lucky enough here in WA to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, I think I think there has been a, a trend in the past to be doing that much larger scale stuff, which the, the smaller stuff can be just as engaging. Yeah, I agree. That's how it's going to happen. And the problem is that Events have a very long lead time. Mm. You know, some smaller events can be three months out. Large events can be, you know, a year to 18 months out. And the problem that we face at the moment is everything is quite tentative. So we can book in, you know, someone can outlay hundreds of thousands of dollars and time into an event with a long lead time. And circumstances could change with the pandemic. And it's just cancelled. And yep. you lose, there's no, no one's going to insure that. So true. You just lose that investment. So it's, yeah, it's a bit of a tentative world that we're living in. I want to, I want to jump to something a bit more positive. <laughs> Are you saying I'm ultra negative? No, here. no, but I just want to focus on, on Tam and her wonderful, wonderful uh, business for a minute. Yes. I've only been to two, no, three, three <gasps> events that you have. Um, I know now that I think about it, it is. The last one was the Dear Storyteller launch, which was exceptional and probably the most different 
um, and I mean that in the most complimentary way. It was thought-provoking and kind of sometimes you're a bit outside of your comfort zone <laughs> and it was a really amazing event. And the one prior was your podcast, Behind the Clipboard launch um, and I would say the same thing like glamorous and gorgeous and all the things that you'd expect of a of an a event like that but also really different is that something that is part of your brand values and something that you go out of your way to put in yes it is, <laughs> well, yes, I've it never is. heard a leading question more so than sorry that, but that that is a very good point because I attended one of those yes and and, and it is it's very, it's very different. It's not you rock up, have a couple of glasses of champagne and, you know, get an Uber home. Which is hard to do. It's yeah. hard to do events differently. Well, what we want to get from people is a point of difference and we want them to leave with something valuable, whether that be, you know, something they physically take away, but usually something that they've experienced. So... Um, looking for something that we can inject into that event that they would never have experienced, like um, I don't know, with did Storyteller, we did a, a audio. Yeah, immersive kind of experience. Yeah, and we did, um, oh, and we did those gifts. So we, we selected s- specific people. I think you were one I of them. I was one of them. mystery gift. Yeah. Oh, spewing I didn't go yeah. to that uh, launch. <laughs> that, that, that was awesome. Case. It was and, awesome. And, yeah, we want to always create something where they don't know where to look. So they turn around and they see this and then their their attention is on one thing and we're doing something in the background and when they turn back around, bam, there's another piece of entertainment or something they weren't expecting. So we always try to build that in. If you're just going to go somewhere and get a glass of wine and a canap. Canapé. Canapé. You know. What's what's memorable about that? If you're doing a launch, what is memorable about that? That was very so Kath and Kim of you. Bit of Cardinet. <laughs> can can I have a Cardinet? But can is I- that – I wonder if that – I should have Googled this before the interview, but I remember particularly at that Dear Storyteller launch feeling like all of my senses were engaged. Mm. Like almost yep. like you're in a – you are in a situation that's so different and like everything's switched on and I think as, as a result of everything switching on, you remember it so much more. Yeah. Is that is that true? Yeah, and that's one of the things that we teach you now behind the clipboard ah. workshop is the six senses. So ah. the regular five plus proprioception, which is movement. So we always have something in the room that's, whether it's a light or a candle or dancers or something, that is, that's another sense that gets that's heightened. Cool. So with every event that we do, we look at those six senses and see how oh. we're hitting them. Love it. You've just mentioned the Behind the Clipboard podcast and uh, well done. I think you're a podcaster yourself. Well, that's the workshop that I mentioned. Oh, yeah, yes, that, we also oh no, that was, I'm referring to the, the, the launch, the the launch, oh, yes. launch of. And, yeah. Um, very exciting. Great to be there uh, as well. Um, how is that podcast going? How, how have you – because you look very natural in front of the microphone. You're I right, agree. You're, it's like, almost like I feel like you should be interviewing us. Uh, well, funny you say that because I sit in these exact chairs when I am <laughs> interviewing you. It's, it's great. We started out with a, um, a global appeal, so we really there was no podcast out there that gave people event tips. Wow, none that we could find. So I'm, I'm going to say none. There were none. I can just, I, can I none. just butt in there? Because that finding just that and working with that. If there's a piece of advice to anyone out yeah. there that's listening to this, don't try and replicate someone else's podcast. Go and find your own thing. Mm. I, I love that because if you find, even if it's as niche as niche, the nichest of niches, 
You'll find an audience. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's great that that niche worked for us because that's what I'm knowledgeable in. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, we um, we get, we give tips and we have so many subscribers from around the world and a lot are small, uh, low-key or small um, businesses that do maybe weddings in Atlanta or, you know, they're, they're um, in some area of events and they want tips for their own businesses, how to better their own events. So... Um, that's pretty exciting, but then so that's how we started out with that sort of global view. But then we honed it into more Perth, yeah, and we made it more Perth centric. Um, I'm not really sure why I made that switch. I think just to connect more with the people that are around us. Um, but the content is still the same. If you're listening anywhere in the world, you can still pick up really good tips. Yeah. But we started bringing in people who were working in Perth, maybe performers, new venues coming out, um, people making gin locally, Ooh. so that the people of Perth could actually get really good content. So that's the problem with our podcast, Lana, is that we don't talk to people that make gin. Yeah, why? <laughs> we we need should an be expert. talking to more people that <laughs> make gin. Gin expert. Even better if they made their own beer. But, you know, or, or champagne, or just you, quietly. Oh, you can have that. I can give you a few names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just come into our office and do a gin tasting. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> it's very rare that we'll be there straight after the podcast. <laughs> at least four days of the week, I know that room is sober uh, in uh, the known associates room. But look, but finding that niche, finding that space, and, and even talking on a global perspective, I think you've got to think big when you're doing these kind of things because you can't, you know, go as wide and and want the world. But uh, when it comes down to it, you know, local is easy to do because local is what is here in front of us. But if you can apply it to a global audience, you're going to have global appeal. Yeah. Yep. And it's been good. It's it's really exciting when you get a message from someone who's on the other side of the world asking you how how to on something to do with events. So, yeah. It is one of those things, though, that, you know, that there are, you know, all the business owners out there that are putting on events, whether it's a networking event, whether it's a launch, whether it's big or small. It is one of those things, I think, that people don't really realise, and I, I've been in this spot, you know, you don't realise how much work goes into it until you try and do it yourself. And oh. getting... Getting bums on seats for events is one of the hardest things out there. And, you know, my hat goes off to you, Tam, and your whole team and any event planner out there because it is bloody hard work. But the value that can come out of an event like that is just massive. Yeah, it is. And we love it. I don't know what's wrong with us, but we freaking <laughs> love it. Do you, I mean, we I, love the stress. Think, we love the, everything. I think you nailed it, Lana, because I reckon as even with a Meet the Media event, I know it – and. It, generally fills up before yeah. the you know before you go at 8 30 in the morning on that particular day it's generally a full house but the stress yeah. and the worry about filling seats because mm. am i still relevant am i still real is this going to be working is this people <laughs> going to turn up is this going to cost me a fortune is am i going to make a fortune all the little different <laughs> questions that sort of pop up in your head it keeps you up at night yeah and you you live and breathe you this. must love it tam i do love stress Drive off it, and so does my whole team. But yeah, I mean, it comes down to just really good planning and having that point of difference that you mentioned earlier, Lana. That where you just find something that is going to tick someone's box and make someone excited and make them feel like they're missing out on something if they're not in that room. And that's the value proposition I think you do offer for all of your clients is that take that stress away, take that yeah. feeling and that worry of of concern about whether this event's going to run well or not. It's mm-hmm. it's a bit like your twenty first birthday. My friend's going to turn up or not. Yeah. I don't know if they're going to. Is it going to be a success? Is it not? And oh, anyway, 
I never had that problem, but yeah. Where did it come from, Tam? Did you do, did you like do your own wedding and did you like, you've obviously been doing it a long time. Where did it all start from? Uh, My third birthday. (laughs) I had about 30 friends. I've had, I'm very lucky to have a mother who has thrown me a birthday party every single year from Ah. when I turned one. And I just love bringing people together and creating an, a fun environment for them. So honestly, it did start quite personally. And when I was in hospitality, I ran the social club. And I, if when we were, did hotel events, I was always sticking my two cents worth in. And <laughs> yeah, then I went on cruise ships and did it there and then eventually came back. and Amazing. And uh, yeah, got into it full time. It's the best thing I ever did because yeah. it, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, well, that's when you've got a right job, when it doesn't feel like work. Now, I'm going to get a little personal with you because what you've done is probably one of the most powerful things I've seen in media in my eight years doing uh, Media Stable and my 20-odd years in media. Big call. The front page of the West Australian about a month, two months ago now, uh, had your picture Mm -hmm. uh, next to a very, very powerful headline that was basically calling out – during the Black Lives Matter uh, movement that has, has, has come forward and, and a very worthy and rightful one uh, that needed to be said. But you, you took the front page and you, you did a very challenging interview with a, the West Australian journalist and it not just made front page, made page three and then back into the op-ed piece that you prepared and put together to question whether we are racist or not. Um, hats off to you, Tam. That was the most powerful piece of media I have been involved with. And you, I don't think you realise how powerful it was. And I'm getting a little emotional now myself to the point where that was so significant. How did you do that? Because that was not, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. How were you feeling when all of that came out? I've got heart palpitations. As soon as you didn't segue into that, I was like, <laughs> oh my God, he's going there. Okay. Um, yeah, I, it was, it was, it was. Not what I expected. I wrote from the heart. I wrote my my lived experience, a story that, you know, if you've known me for a long time, perhaps you've heard it and perhaps you haven't. It depends um, if I've shared it. But, you know, I've gone through a lot growing up black in Australia with a, a white family and I won't go into the details, but it, my lived experience hits a nerve with people when I tell them because I think I come across as someone who's very settled and confident and sure of herself whereas I've had a um, a hard time getting there because mm. I had a, a childhood which was just full of bullying and um, and yeah just it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a fun time to grow up in the way in the area that I grew up in in the neighborhood I grew up in as a black person or a woman of colour. So I just shared some of those experiences. And also the other thing is I've married an Aboriginal man and I now have Aboriginal children. Yeah. And I fear for how they will be treated going forward. So I just wanted to people to stop and look at what I've been through, listen to the words and think about the way that they could act in terms of making other people's lives different but coming from a point of understanding and whatever, however I wrote it, whatever I put in there, whatever it was that um, piqued some sort of interest or, I don't know, just got people thinking, um, worked. So so much so that that little op-ed that I thought was going to be buried on page 70, I nearly died when I found <laughs> out it was on the front page. You know, you, you open, I opened, um, someone tagged me in Facebook, which I never go on, I hate the thing. And... Um, <laughs> 
And I was on the front page of the West and I literally threw the phone on the floor. I was like, what? Wow. Mm. The hell? How did that little story of mine, like little personal story of mine, end up on the front page of the West? You might have felt it was little, Tam. But yeah, I, I had the pleasure of reading it before it went to print. Um, it wasn't little. Yeah, it, it was. I agree with Nick. It was one of the most powerful things that, you know, we, we've seen. And um, yeah, I mean, but I can imagine as well as a mum and, you know, as a business owner and all the hats that you wear, you would have felt probably a bit scared as it as it went out. Did that feeling uh, sort of subside or, or even get worse as the experience went on? Oh, it got worse. So, yeah, yeah so I was, I was terrified, um, but I was also sure in everything that I said was just real. You yeah. know, it was just what I'd been through. It was my own true story, my own experience. So I'd, I didn't have any problems with the words I was putting out, but I had not prepared myself for the people that were going to not want to hear it and not want to change and like like they like the country the way they are they don't want to be called anything like a racist or a bigot or anything like that they just want to stay in their lane they don't want to look at what's going on with other people that live outside their box and that um if i read you know social media comments and things like that there was a lot of hate what was the reaction though from those that you you know that that know you what, 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 what was the reaction that uh, you got? 90% of the stuff that came to me was positive. In fact, I would say 99. I had hundreds, and I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of messages, text messages, phone calls, emails, any way people could contact me, you know, all the social media channels. Amazing. People contacted me. I had Ted ring me up who was 96 and he had an experience he wanted to talk about and how he'd got he'd written a letter to his local MP and could he forward that to me for me to review and then get back to him. Oh, and, wow. And he, yeah, so it, there was all, a lot of, you know, uh, there was a buzz and there was a lot of chatter and it was great because I really felt that my – and I, for me, it is a little story, you know, my little life of my little, my little story of my little life had gone out there into the public and it struck a chord and really opened a lot of people's eyes. Even some people that, um, there's one friend in particular, she wrote to me and she wrote about a page long email saying she just didn't have a clue. Her eyes were just absolutely opened yeah. to, um, yeah, in, when you ch- in terms of Black Lives Matter and what that actually meant and white privilege, she hadn't mm. even heard that she's blonde-haired, blue-eyed girl. She'd never heard the term, and she mm. said, "I, she, I had to actually counsel her to say because she felt a lot of shame." Mm. Yep. And I said, "You can't, don't feel shame. Just be the change now. Your eyes are open. Be the change." Hats off to you, young lady. That was the best piece, as I said, the best piece of media that I've ever been involved in. And the other, the other side of it is, is incredibly brave. I mean, and what you did. And I think there's a little message into everything because you put all of that energy and all of you into every event that you do do. And that is the the that is that is what you're buying into when you when you get a good event organizer, an event planner, you get everything there. And I just think one of one of the best things and. And your, well, your husband for holding my hand through that because you were really oh. pivotal in getting me to to do it. So, no, look, it, it was a story that had to be told, and and you while you weren't wanting to 
to to jump up and do it. It was something there that you were you were determined then to to take forward. And I, it's seriously hats off to you because it it's your story. It's not mine, and but it's an Australian story as well. And that's that to you. I, I hats off. Um, known known associates is now known Australia as well. So you've even gone into business with husband, Mister <laughs> Troy Cook. Hey, how's that all playing out? Oh, he's the best. <laughs> I love working with him. He's Troy. the greatest guy. I just love him. Gee, this is, I'll tell you what, the first person who will be listening to this will be Troy Cook. Isn't that gorgeous? <laughs> Tam, that was so genuine. I was waiting for the comment, but I was like, no, hang on a minute. She really means it. I do. He is. He's an awesome dude. And, yeah, working – I mean – People say that he's my boss. I probably don't agree with that. But, you know, just working together. He's he's just a kind, level-headed, calm, um, never put a fo- foot wrong kind of guy. So he makes me look squeaky clean because <laughs> I'm a little bit wild. So, But, yeah, the combination of us doing any sort of projects together is, is a good one. So it's, what kind of projects will you be working on together under the new business? So Known Associates Australia is – still premium event management like Known Associates. So they're sister companies, but we have a really strong focus on helping the Indigenous community in a professional sense. So working with other Indigenous um, providers like graphic designers and caterers and um, those sorts of things that come into events and also bringing Indigenous tertiary students through our internship program. Amazing. So focusing specifically on Indigenous people because storytelling in Indigenous culture it, indigenous culture is all about storytelling and it music is. and parties and you know corroborees gatherings. So it's perfect for event management. They were so the they were the original event planners of Australia fifty thousand years ago. <laughs> a nice corroboree and, and getting together, and they like bringing people exactly. together. Yeah, yep. So that's what the focus is. So yeah, we're hoping and and that that company is a hundred percent indigenously owned mm-hmm. by Troy. Exciting. Now, Tamara, we're out of time. If someone wants to get a plan, uh, an, an event going, and particularly if you're in Perth, because if you're in Victoria right now, I'm so sorry, people. You can't have an event. But uh, as we do come out, how can people get in contact with you? Oh, well, you can Google us on uh, Known Associates Australia or Known Associates Events or just Known Associates and we'll probably pop up. We're on, I'm prolific on Instagram. Yes. Yes, you are. I'm not a fan of Facebook, so don't contact me there, <laughs> even though we have a page. But why not um, Facebook? Just LinkedIn. very quickly, why not Facebook? Oh, it's just like a vortex that I get sucked into and I, you know, I'll lose two hours doing nothing. Yeah. I don't like, I just so don't it's, it's, like it's a personal thing platform. for you. It's not that marketing, because I would imagine a lot of the marketing and the planning could be very easily done through Facebook. If somebody invites me to an event on Facebook, I probably won't show up because I never go on it. Oh, I've had that I've problem too. It. And they're like, oh, they said, didn't you see on Facebook I did this? And I'm like, no. <laughs> did you call me and tell so me? so true. I've missed so many events because they've invited me on Facebook. I'm really? going, I didn't think that was a real invite. I didn't, I didn't f- think that was a thing. There you go. Mm. There you go. I'm not a fan personally. <laughs> well, you know what? Lana and I are fans of yours. We are. Oh. So oh. thank you for coming on to the Experts Podcast. Back at you, dude. Uh, <laughs> Lana, another good one. Oh, pleasure having, having both of your company. Oh, well, well, it was a pleasure to be here, Lana. Thank you very much for coming along. And, I'm and, in the driver's seat today. And you are indeed. And uh, if you want to hear more experts, if you want to hear more media, jump onto mediastable.com.au. There's lots of experts and lots of media these days. A lot more media popping up on the Experts I Podcast, know. Lana. Listen in. Listen in. Tune in. And uh, we look forward to having your company next week. You have been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. 
To get in touch with the team, head to the Media Stable website, mediastable.com.au.